set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. A lot going on tonight as we inch closer to the game of the year in the NBA as the Bucks are down. Lakers just barely holding on to any type of true home court advantage, if, if any. And we'll see how that line has moved as we get really closer to that 1040 Eastern tip. And I thought a lot more people would be not even taking the Lakers, but just a little more emphatic about what the Lakers have been able to do and establish as far as any type of home court advantage. and There are two really cool stories in sports this year. One that actually both aren't over by any means. One that is happening right now as we speak. And the other that has been more of a consistent theme that has taken over, I think, the entire NBA season. It's just one that you haven't heard discussed much at all. And it's not due to... There is really no reason. I mean, look, the New Orleans Pelicans with the arrival of Zion and Ja Morant winning the Rookie of the Year until the arrival of Zion, even now as Miami is just an atrocious road team like Philadelphia, not to that extent but close to it, getting their ass kicked right now in New Orleans. It's not even that. It has nothing to do with anything remotely close to the new or young wave in the NBA. But – There's a story in the NHL and there's a story in the NBA that actually have a lot of similarity to it. And I'm sure you're missing one and you've already missed the other. And when you watch one thing happen, and I'm watching the one thing that's happening in the NHL right here in Philadelphia, it actually adds a lot of perspective to what the other story really is. We'll get to this coming up in the NBA. Now, there is something that needs to be said that I've gotten in trouble even in Philadelphia bringing up. Because how dare you bring this up in regards to our favorite analyst. But sometimes it's the messenger who gets all the criticism and it clouds the fact that the message he's sending actually makes sense. Draymond Green makes sense. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. All right, so one thing is we look right now in the fourth quarter, Pelicans just destroying the heat. We'll see if, in fact, Miami has any life left in them. There's some basketball left to be played, but... The big game in the NBA all season has led up to this, where the Lakers and Bucks will square off in about 18 minutes in L.A. Milwaukee, clearly one of the better, if not best, teams on the road this year. And as much as you'll get built up all over the place about a finals preview and people will want to fast forward and make this a playoff game, which it's not. And I don't know how much even of a playoff atmosphere 
you're going to have because it's not even like Lakers-Clippers where people are essentially content with pushing the fast-forward button and arriving at the Western Conference Finals where you're going to see those two teams just battle it out for a seven-game stretch. On the flip side, it's just pretty much a given that the Milwaukee Bucks can sleepwalk through the East and find themselves in the NBA Finals back to taking advantage of those two teams in L.A. battling it out, and then the war of attrition takes over, and here comes Milwaukee breezing through the Eastern Conference. So as much as people, and I get it because the Bucks are as deep now probably as they've ever been with Giannis, and once again you're seeing a team that's going to flirt with 60 wins, and it's just ridiculous how easy this thing looks, especially how good they are away from Milwaukee. And there aren't many teams, and the only other team is the story that you've missed this year. But, my goodness, Milwaukee itself, and so much of this is by the MVP, but the difference in what they've been able to do on the road, probably more so than any other team in the NBA, should be tested tonight. And, look, the Lakers have been beat in L.A., this is not a team that's impenetrable, and they've played this amazing basketball in L.A., and then when they go away, it's like, all right, a little bit of a difference. They've been really consistent, and they've been hot over their last nine, ten games. Speaking of which, Miami, no effort as mentioned and believed. This is why the Heat will fall apart a lot of times on the road this year and why they can't be trusted in the playoffs. And I'll offer up my own Sixers as well, because you can't do anything of value or anything of quality on the road. The two big stories, though, they almost overlap. Because if you look at something that comes out of nowhere, the phenomenon that was last year's St. Louis Blues team winning a Stanley Cup, being dead last in the standings of January, and battling all the way back. Now, you don't have as drastic of a climb for the Philadelphia Flyers. But if you look at where the Philadelphia Flyers were from a future standpoint, I don't know, 10 days ago, before they won eight straight, which, again, a lot of you probably aren't even paying attention to the NHL, and if so, are you even watching what's happening in the Eastern Conference with, of course, the Philadelphia Flyers. Eight straight is eight straight anywhere you go. And we'll get to 14 straight in a second, but the difference, the transformation of a, of a team, it's happening in two completely different ways, but you're getting the same end. Completely different means, except you're getting the same end. And in Philadelphia, that, that ticket has gone from plus 35 really actually higher than that, probably like plus 4,000, to now down to around plus 1,300. In the matter of, I don't know, what, nine, ten games, that thing has transformed. And it's through and really due to a head coach who has had a lot of success in the NHL, just not to that level in which makes him an all-timer. But... We've seen Alain Vignol lead a team to the Cup twice. We've seen him fail in the Stanley Cup final, but we've seen Vancouver and then the Rangers fall in line. 
And what you're seeing is really just a microcosm of the sport itself. I don't know how, last, how long Elaine Vignol is going to last in Philadelphia. But what I can tell you is the message of a coach in that sport, and you're seeing it just on such a small level here with an eight-game win streak, beating two teams above you that really were playoff-level atmospheres that you did and you were able to simulate and then beat those teams. This is a story right now that's just – it shows you the impact that a head coach can make, truly, in a sport where a lot of times I think people – don't take it for granted so much as don't really understand. There are a lot of people that watch the sport of hockey that don't really grasp the immediate impact a new coach and a new voice can make. Look, it's a 12-point game with 7.50 left in New Orleans. I just don't think the Heat have any gas left. I just don't think that the Miami Heat are able to put together a comeback victory like this against anybody, let alone a team in New Orleans who's actually playing with some fire and some momentum as of late. The Heat are just out of gas on the road. That's all. That's Shander Show on Twitter. The other story, and it connects it, as you've seen this impact, this tremendous impact that Elaine Vignol in one year, all right, in 67 games, has been able to come in and completely flip where this team was the last five, six, maybe even ten years. The idea that you can change the entire perception inside of how to play hockey or any sport, and then the perception of your team on the outside in 67 games in your first year is very difficult. Yet he's done that to the tune in which now they are beyond just a sexy, they're a realistic pick you can make to go on and win. And at 1300 there's value, but not nearly the value that was there at 4500 Nick Nurse, on the other hand, didn't go anywhere. Nick Nurse didn't do anything different. Nick Nurse is giving the same exact speeches. The only difference is you don't happen to have a top three player in the NBA. Oh, by the way, the guy who came for a year stepped in and did everything he needed to leading and everything, that's where you got a significant difference without doing a damn thing. There wasn't a different approach. There wasn't anything different as far as a message. There wasn't coming in from Nick Nurse's standpoint, knowing like you could change and reinvent the wheel simply because you have to because Kawhi Leonard's gone. It was almost like... Kawhi Leonard was never there. I mean, I have to be completely honest. I did not anticipate this, and I don't think anybody really did, that this Toronto Raptors team, who has already clinched, mind you, was already in a postseason spot, has done this before Boston, Miami, Philadelphia, who was a major disappointment, don't get me wrong, but still, that is way more of a shock. It's way more of this positive about what Toronto has been able to do. And the reason why... You're not hearing it. The reason why people aren't talking about it is because they're not Milwaukee. But you know what? Nobody is in the East. So if you're not the Milwaukee Bucks, if you're not 53-9 and nine coming into tonight, then maybe, just maybe, the fact that you're right back in playoff contention, but you don't have Kawhi Leonard, well, can you really do anything against this Milwaukee team? Because that's what we always reduce this NBA season to, is, all right, if you're in the East, can you match up with Milwaukee? 
And if you're in the West, Houston, I mean, I won't count Denver. My God, Utah's even worse. I guess it's really like Houston, maybe Dallas. You know, can you do something? Can you shock the world and be a team that's not named L.A. and find yourself in the Western Conference Finals? And that's what happens. Big win for Houston in the regular season. Big win for the Celtics in the regular season. Even the Heat or Sixers get something strong and a nice little run. Look at Miami. Four-game win streak coming into tonight. And yet everything was looked at with, all right, can you win on the road? No? Well, you're not going to beat Milwaukee. Meanwhile, with Toronto, they've been there. And yes, the key component of driving that team through the championship run in the East and then ultimately beating the Golden State Warriors isn't there, but the team isn't playing like he's gone. And that is something that you just, you could not predict. Denver getting better, getting older, getting more mature. They're exactly where they were. The Clippers are going to get a clear boost with the arrival of Kawhi and Paul George. It goes without saying. Houston gets Russell Westbrook. Utah, another year. We expect a little more Conley. You know, we expect a little bit more from that. OKC came out of nowhere with Chris Paul to that level. And we knew Dallas, John Morant leading Memphis. There are people you point to and say, okay, well, it makes sense where you are. Teams in the East right now, it makes sense where they're falling. Again, Philadelphia is a colossal disappointment because they're 10-23 and on the road, and they just got their 10th win in Sacramento Thursday night. Miami, again, can be or should be a little bit better. I mean, they should be better than Boston by a little bit, but they can't do anything on the road either. Even the Celtics, where we kind of feel like they're locked in, get more respect when it comes to a postseason run, get more respect to the answer to the question like, well, who can really beat Milwaukee in the East? Nobody's talking about Toronto. Nobody gives them any type of hope. It's like with the Flyers, they're just brand new. Eh, it's a hot team. It kind of in. Who cares that you have a red-hot 21-year-old goalie who's playing like a 10-year veteran? Ah, who cares about that? You'll just flame out. And it's that same level of disbelief that's going to come back and bite some team in the ass in the NBA postseason that's looking at the Toronto Raptors the same way. Ah, it doesn't matter. You know, they don't have Kawhi. Just, just wait. Yeah, I get it. You know, it's a great run. Nick Nurse, coach of the year. Come on. But it's just a matter of time. Don't you know? His team doesn't have it. They're not good enough. They don't have a star. Well, that's not the case. It's just you don't choose to look at Pascal Siakam, and you don't choose to look at what that team has been able to do and attribute it to anything more than, oh, they're just there playing like a unit and they were lucky, and it's kind of like that rust, the opposite of which. It's almost like that championship dust that Kawhi Leonard came and sprinkled is there, is actually like still there to play around with. And these guys are just somehow living off prior accomplishments. Sorry, but you can't be as good as Pascal Siakam is this year. You can't have a season like Kyle Lowry. You, just, you cannot play this good of basketball night in and night out. And it can only be a matter of, well, Nick Nurse didn't change anything. That's it. He's just doing the same thing he did last time. But last time they had Kawhi Leonard. So at some point, 
you're going to have to give up the props and say, this is a team that's not just riding some sort of wave. This is a team that has been already discounted, has already been discredited in saying anything that they've done this year is the inevitable waiting to happen, which is them getting bounced out, and they'll probably get bounced out early. And I'll leave you with this thought. Wait. Just wait. Because when the NBA season goes to the playoffs and you look at that first round, you're going to get a ton of people. You're going to get the thick pieces. You're going to get the 2,000-word pieces out there. And it's going to put out why Brooklyn, why the Brooklyn Nets, and hell, maybe even the Orlando Fultzes make a run here, but I doubt it. Despite it being tight, I just don't see it. Brooklyn has been playing really well. It's those seven, eight teams locked in. Brooklyn, and why they're going to knock off the Raptors in the first round of the playoffs. Or why Boston will eventually catch and have the better rep. All of these, you'll see. It's just a matter of time before people get even more vocal in the disbelief and trying to knock down what the Toronto Raptors have accomplished this year, which, mind you, is a hell of a stretch. Yeah, you're nine games back behind the Bucks coming into tonight, but you're better than everybody else in the Eastern Conference without a superstar. You might have star power, but you don't have a superstar. At Shander Shows, that get me on Twitter. Speaking of which, whether or not you view or have viewed Draymond Green as a star is irrelevant because a lot of people want to shoot the messenger. And I'll tell you, it's a mistake. We'll hear from Draymond coming up because he makes a point about somebody who's out there in the public who is a fan favorite that gets a unique pass. And that is something that when brought up, you get shot down. But Draymond said it, so we're going to reinforce it next. At Shander Show on Twitter. We're live on the streams as well. Facebook, looks like Twitch is down, so we'll work on that as well. But it's SB Nation Radio as well. And remember, one thing tonight to take away from this NBA game between the Bucks and the Lakers. Say it's on Shander. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. I've been here before, I'm trying to warn you. You're getting closer. You might be thinking, well, I was told by you, Shander, that the Miami Heat had nothing left and Here we are with about three-plus to go, and they only trail by four. Well, trust me, I've watched this before, and I've seen this play out to where the Heat will give you something in that back end, maybe even in the fourth quarter, only to let you down on the road. Now, a couple of big blowouts tonight, some that kind of settle down late. Like, the Nets were up ridiculous against the Spurs early on. Not much going on that that had any real consequence. And to be fair, tonight's game that's going to tip in a matter of minutes doesn't have significant playoff-level type impact. But, make no mistake, people are going to be looking at this like, oh, finals preview. One and a half. Didn't budge. As much as I thought people might try to move it, 
and hammer that line before tip. It still sits at minus one and a half for the Lakers. Bucks money line has not moved at all all day. At plus one oh two, you're really this is a pick'em tonight. This comes down to both teams healthy, trying to get a victory. And the biggest factor, and this is why I'd stay the hell away from it, under, I, I actually would go under. I think the play tonight would be the under of all things. It's 228 and a half. And both of these teams are not going to be free-flowing, as you may think. Both of these teams come in really good defensively, mind you. Milwaukee's actually really good on the road defensively. It's 100 to 99. Oh, my goodness. Here come the heat. Ready to disappoint. I'm just letting you know. I'm just giving you a heads up just so you're prepared for this in case you took Miami in game, in case you took something with Miami ahead of time, knowing that they were a pregame favorite, mind you. Still, despite their being terrible on the road, you got that. But this Bucks lakers game, I think, is going to start out tight, and it actually will be tight enough where that under now plays a role. Both teams are going to come in, and they're going to play extra hard on the defensive end, and they actually have the talent to limit. If you even look at it from a defensive standpoint, just look at it from the Lakers defensively and the Bucks defensively. Both teams come in with some pretty good matchups. Yeah, I get it. Like, Giannis is difficult to stop, right? LeBron James is playing the best basketball of his career. Okay. Anthony Davis is a monster and could put up 50 tonight easily. But let's not negate the job that this, these teams have both done, especially L.A. at home, where they have been a really difficult team just to score against. Even when you beat them, they're tough to score against. So there's something that would jump out for me, and I think, all right, let's, let's roll here and take the under. Now, I mentioned this cut from Draymond Green I don't know why he got a lot of heat for this outside of it's just Draymond Green. But make no mistake, everything you're about to hear from Draymond Green is accurate in his criticism of Charles Barkley. He just adds a little bit of Draymond, I don't know, humor or under your skin type. Just that's what he is. He just adds his own spin to it. So this is Green on Charles Barkley. Barkley should stop before I go take his job done. I can do that well, too. He already didn't make enough money playing, so he need that job. He should stop talking to me. I like to, you know, tendency to end people. So he should stop before I take his job. Not soon, though, right? If he keep talking, uh, you know, I'll take it soon. Sooner than he thinks. So, yeah, he probably should be quiet. He also can't talk basketball with me, either. Not smart enough, not qualified. No rings, can't sit at this table. Can't sit at the table is what he says at the end. And that's the best part about it is him saying at the end that Charles Barkley can't sit at this table. And think about what we get night in and night out. Humor, well, I'll say anything. I mean, Charles Barkley has completely erased the fact that he has never won a championship ring in the NBA from any type of discussion when it comes to validating him as an analyst. And to be fair, you truly don't need 
to have what, like Tony Romo, just signs this record deal. It's probably going to get eclipsed by Peyton Manning. That's fine. He's a hell of an analyst. Chris Collinsworth, I love. I think he's a hell of an analyst as well. I know a lot of people don't. That's fine. These guys are marginal at best, right? Collinsworth better as a wide receiver than Romo's quarterback, but still, you don't need to be a multiple champion a couple times over. With Charles Barkley, the difference is that he has been elevated to the number one NBA analyst. Even if he isn't as far as talent, he is as far as, oh, I can't wait to hear what Chuck has to say on this. And Draymond's right. There are a lot of people that that Charles Barkley has come down on and ripped and questioned that have won where he has fallen short. And for some reason, that just doesn't really matter. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. In-game action right now. It's not often that you get a game going on of, I would say, mag. I don't know if I would say this magnitude, because it's still the semis, but of magnitude like... San Diego State narrowly up right now in the second half. And, you know, 10 points is, is 10 points. And that's a narrow margin for a team that has cruised a lot of this year. The lone loss and now trying to finish things up in the Mountain West Championship. We also, I guess, have to talk about a baseball team as well that's red hot with Judson Richards at Judson 1360. Morning drive on extra 1360 in San Diego. And, you know, there's a ton of things that we have to get into, my friend. But first and foremost, thank you, as always, for the time. It's now 6250, and I'm looking at a 12-and-a-half-point in-game line, Judson. You confident that the San Diego State Aztecs can win this thing? by? It's now 13-and-a-half. You see, the San Diego State Aztecs are just extending this lead by the second as you've joined us today. Hey, John, good to hear your voice, buddy. How are things? Well, not bad, man. I'm trying to figure out if I should take the Aztecs right now in, in this in-game line here. What's been so special about this year? Well, um, let, let's, let's do the simple math. They've played 30 games. They've won 29 of them, hey, John, including Boise State. You know, that, that's the thing about the Mountain West Conference Tournament for the Aztecs. It's like, hey, how many times do they have to beat all these teams? I mean, they've hammered Boise State already twice this year, uh, and, and, and it looks like they're going to get another win again tonight. You know, the thing about this team, and, and, and who knows what the future holds for the transfer portal, especially if players don't have to sit out for a year and they can just move as much as they want, because I think that that will only move the, the Blue Bloods. But as far as San Diego State goes, you've got three players that came together this year they never played together. Now, Malachi Flynn was here last year, but could only practice from Washington State. K.J. Fagan was, you know, a really, really great player at Santa Clara, the best player on the team on a regular basis. And then you had Yanni Wetzel from Vanderbilt. Yeah. Now, Yanni only visited two schools. He visited Texas Tech that was in the national championship game last year in San Diego State. And it goes to show you a little bit of what people, at least within the game, know about San Diego State and you know we, we we debate this regularly and you can probably answer the question better than I can because we were curious about 
really the national perspective where if the Aztecs were to make it to the Final Four, would they be considered a Cinderella season or a Cinderella team? Or could you not have that because you're a one or a two seed, but it's somewhere that they've never been before. But three players that had never been together from the transfer portal all in one season and a couple of you know returning players as well. The Aztecs have been in the Sweet 16 twice in the last 10 years. But, you know, the, the, the Viejas Arena in San Diego, it's, it was the hottest ticket in town a number of years ago. There was a waiting list for season tickets, and then it cooled off. Well, in December, they were 8-0 and and 10-0. and The tickets got a little bit more difficult to get. And then by the time they could reach double-digit wins and undefeated and chasing again the top five in the country, number four in the country, and a national conversation, it was yet again the best environment in town. I was there when they retired Kawhi Leonard's jersey the entire Clippers team flew there to play the day game, and they all hopped on Steve Ballmer's jet. The whole team was there, including Steve Ballmer's. One, you know, it, it was one of the best environments I've ever been to, and that's San Diego State basketball, and that's what we're looking for this year. I mean, we have openly talked about a national championship yep. for a city that has never won a major one, Aton. We've never won a World Series. The Chargers, they've been to a Super Bowl. They never win it. They never won it, and then they left. We are... We are a Cinderella story of a city, even if San Diego State basketball is not considered a Cinderella. It's a good point, and I'm thinking I'm wrestling with that now because it's very rare, if ever, you would say a team of this magnitude of, that ranks this high, that has put together that level of a stretch of victory, would be a Cinderella. Right. Like, they're not taking anybody by surprise, but to your point... I also think that, yeah, I mean, they're not a blue blood, and that probably makes them a Cinderella. Right, especially, let, let's take the Final Four, because as we know, the, you know, the world of the Sweet 16, the world of the Elite Eight is nothing like being the Final Four. That's the George Masons of the world. You know, that's the Butlers, that's the Chicago, Illinois. Uh, but it, it has a lot to do with the company that they keep, right? If, if yeah. there's a school that makes a run there that has never never been anywhere near it before and they're a you know an eight nine ten eleven season okay they would earn the cinderella story but if you were to look for the underdog it would be the one that is not considered the blue blood and the one that has never been there before and that would be san diego state if they can pull it off this year well let's look at the really the last two games that they've played both victories but both needing to come from behind What's the right. discussion like now where, all right, you end the regular season, it's Nevada, I get it, you just want to get into the conference tournament, you really just want to get into the main tournament, but you're yeah. still down, you have to come back. Then again, first round of this tournament that they're playing in, they have to come back, as you know, against Air Force. Is it more a matter of, hey, it's okay, these guys are just trying to go through the motions, or is there general concern right now? Well, Air Force shot 60 uh, by halftime, so you knew they were not going to be able to keep that up. And then San Diego State went on a 27-6 to run. So ultimately, they did look far and away the better team. But again, you know, there are 12 teams in the Mountain West Conference Tournament, Aton. 11 of them are playing for their March Madness lives, and then there's San Diego State. So even just from, a, from the approach standpoint, you know the bullseye on the back, you know the target, and you know everyone is trying to Sports Center to make your national <laughs> coverage of what it would mean to beat San Diego State University. But the Aztecs, luckily, you know, they, it, it looks like they're going to take care of business tonight. So 
I, I, I was a little concerned. The, the one thing I've worried about for the Aztecs, the last five games they've played, they have not led by halftime. For those, they trail at halftime. So well, That's got to be a little concerning, of, Judson. Hold on a second. Are you the last four games they've trailed at the half? Yes, they have. Yeah, although, I mean, but again, Aton, they've won three out of those four. The only one that they didn't come back to win, they were down 37-25 to UNLV. And it was just too big a deficit. They, it, it just well, wasn't good enough. Well, they dropped a banner but that game too, right? They they certainly did. Yeah, <laughs> no, they certainly did. How, how, did how you nice guys grip them for that? What's that? Did you guys? I'm curious locally what what the react because you know nationally everybody ripped them because it was the one game they lost and it's like come on guys really you're right. gonna drop this year's banner before the season's over? But locally, did you guys have a problem with that? Well, on, on Friday, because we are the Aztecs flagship, and they're so great to us. I mean, we, you know, we, we have coaches and players on up and down our lineup all day. So Friday, leading into that Saturday game, we did have one of their assistant coaches on, Dave Velasquez. And, you know, he knew that question was coming, and he, he immediately, he about stopped me the sense. And, 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 and I get it, I, I guess. But the, the point was that the players who earned it, the ones that are on this team, when you, if you do it next year, you are not guaranteed to be able to get everybody there. So they wanted to take that time to honor and celebrate the team as that team was all readily available to stand there and watch the banner be hung. So I, 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 I get that. You know, the bottom line is play better. Just, just play better. You know, and UNLV did win five straight over that stretch. And the Aztecs, again, the M.O. a little bit has been a sluggish first half. Now, the, the interesting part, Aton, about the, it's such a veteran-laden team because of the transfer portal, the total amount of experience that they have in March Madness totals all of 28 minutes. It's amazing. Matt Mitchell, his freshman year, played 19 minutes. Jordan Shackle played nine. And there's your 28. So this veteran-laden team, has never been in this moment that they're about to be in in the NCAA tournament and the first round. And uh, you know and I know, emotions can do a lot. Emotions can propel you. Emotions can shrink you. And so you do not want to lose that game in the first half by allowing a 15 seed, a 14 seed to start feeling themselves. Just as Virginia. They know all about that. So, you know, you'd like to see them open it up in the first half, especially when it comes to all of the drama that's in the NCAA tournament. Judson Richards joining us, and there's a lot going on in San Diego at Judson 1360 Morning Drive, extra 1360 in San Diego's the Aztecs right now, and flirting with the double digit. You know, that's going back and forth a little <laughs> bit, 64-53. I say that because I took a minus 12 and a half in game, but you know. Such is Ooh. life. Look, I'm, I'm going yeah. on what you said, which is they're a second-half team, right? So if they're going to have to pull away, it's going to be in the second half. They're up 11. Yeah. I, th- I think that's doable. Yeah, My I, Heat I Pelicans bet pushed, so I'm looking for something tonight. I mean, there's this whole thing about just how many times do they have to beat all these teams and beat them but doesn't Right. And, and I guess – I'm sorry, Judson. No, no, go ahead. I'm just no, I – I wonder, I just if that's something that is going to happen. If you think it's going to happen in the NCAA tournament, or is there this general belief that? And and I get it because this is a rarity. Like you don't see this in professional sports. Even the Bucks 
right now. You can't get away with that. Like, oh, just, you know, continue to beat up on Eastern Conference teams. So college basketball, even in college football, it's tough. But this is the one where you could almost justify going through the motions in, of all conference tournaments, the Mountain West, because they're so damn good. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, we, you know, we, we made the point, and I believe it, that the game they played yesterday was the most important game that they would play hmm. in the tournament. It flipped. It, it works backwards. It's not about winning it, like they had to do a couple years ago to get in, which they did. It's don't embarrass yourself, don't lose for a team who is under 500, and make sure that you're not a three-seed. I did hear Gary Parrish say at halftime if the Aztecs dropped his game, he thinks they'd be a two-seed. All right, so they're either going to be a one or a two-seed. But if they would have won a loss yesterday, they go in being a three-seed. So, you know, that's how backwards it is with how great a season that they've had where the early parts of the tournament are even more important potentially than if they win the Mount West Conference tournament. Because even if they win it, although Brian Dutcher, head coach, has said, if we win out, we will be a number one seed. I'll believe it when I see it. You just never know. But most importantly, don't be a three seed. And that was decided by winning Thursday over Air Force. It's very, very weird. I have to ask, because I see this at now plus 5,000 as a futures bet. And I, like anybody who's following you outside of the city of San Diego, was put on alert about this red-hot start in the Cactus League by your Padres. <laughs> what the hell is going on out west? Uh, well, you know, I, I don't know. It's all put on <laughs> you. Do you put anything on the uh, old Cactus League or the Grapefruit Standing in, in, in training baseball at well, all? Uh, it's ounce of it. Any morsel of it. Oh, I want to only because it's the Padres, and that would be an awesome story. But then I have to be honest and say, well, the Marlins right now are co-leading the Grapefruit League. So, Look as, out. Yeah, right? I mean, that would be an even bigger ridiculous storyline right there. Hey, Padres at plus 5,000. Stranger things have happened. You know, it's funny. Things have gone so badly for the Padres literally since the 1998 World Series. Did you know that they have only won the most games? you know the most games they've won in a season since 2011, Aton? Yeah. Most games since 2011, I'm going to guess yeah. 76. And it's actually 77. Oh. Wow, that's how little you think of the Padres. Yeah, I was definitely going get, under yeah. 81, I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and so, Aton, when I go on the old internet and I see mm-hmm. the Padres at the top of any stand, damn it, I'm going to celebrate. And if I had to make a case, Gun to my head and make a case, I would say, you know what? They have a brand-new manager. And it looks like they at least like him enough to show up and play really, really hard in Cactus League baseball. So how about that? I don't know what it will be in the regular season, but those standings look really, really good right now. Awesome, brother. Judson, I appreciate you and your time. Enjoy the final couple of minutes of this game, and thanks for stepping out. Look, they're already up 69-55. I feel okay. I feel okay right now. Hey, Tom, I'm pretty disappointed we didn't get talking about Philip Rivers. Maybe another time, man. Uh, you know, it's the national stuff, man. I'm on a hard break. You know, locally, we can chat for 30 minutes. Oh, I know. But... All right, Philip Rivers, yes or no, is he back in the NFL? And where does he play? Yes. 
Yes, I, I'm I'm rooting for it, but long term, I I want him on my Monday night football. Damn it, I want to spend every Monday night with a great man that is Philip Rivers. Well, where is he going to go? Vegas. No, he's going to Indianapolis, man. Frank Reich. Frank Reich's one of those people that starts crying over Philip when he talks about him. That was his OC in San Diego. Oh man, that's going to be scary. Those Actually, two, I, I, they're like the exact same human beings. Those two. <laughs> Judson, I love you, brother. Thank you for the time tonight. Hey, Tom, you're the best. Let's do it again. All right, you got it. At Judson thirteen sixty. Good shout to Jed Marshall at Jedro twenty four. Sports Radio 810 in Kansas City, listening and tweeting. It's all Judson, Jed, I promise you. We'll wrap the hour next at Shander Show. It's the second level, on Shander. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. If you are following along online or just through your betting apps, legal or illegal, around the country, San Diego State now 73-65. A lot of people unhappy on Twitter. And it's not just extra 1360s account that's retweeting everybody complaining about the officiating. But most likely this game should be an even larger margin of victory. And I'll tell you why. I warned you specifically about Miami when we came on an hour ago, and I'll give you concrete evidence, hard, factual evidence in the second hour about why they cannot be trusted. Tonight is just the latest example. And Philip Rivers to the Colts. Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second-level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. you got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander. There is a couple, really futures bets that have been put out there where you start to look at where any bet was made at the beginning of a season and usually laughed at as a result. And I know that there was a story about a Flyers fan who had a bet on the team. They was trying to find this specific amount, but it's for a ton. And it's similar to what we saw last year where somebody put a gigantic Futures bet on the Blues while they were down. I think he was maybe even in the beginning of the season, and it buried a book. And it's going to bury a couple of books because the difference is that, and again, it's no knock on anywhere else. If anything, it can be used against Philadelphians. But if there is anything positive in the greater Delaware Valley area, Philadelphia and beyond, South Jersey with this fan base, we'll bet it. We'll bet the hell out of our own. So if, like we've seen, a team goes from plus 5,000 to plus 1,300, it's a result of, yes, them winning, but also a ton of people betting. And that was one that people started to equate to the, t- to the St. Louis bet last year. Now, there's also the Powerball winner in Kansas City where Super Bowl Sunday – 
this guy, Justin Downey, this came out where he saw his team win the Super Bowl and won 50000 playing the Missouri Powerball. So I'm reading the story, heading out the night before to stock up on beer and snacks. Downey, this Chiefs fan, plunked down some cash on the Missouri lottery ticket. That evening in the drawing, Downey managed four of the five numbers and the Powerball. So he hit the money ball, which happened to be lucky number 13. And they didn't realize it until the next day. Wow, that is insanity right there. $50,000 or your Super Bowl. You have to choose. Talk about a selfish decision. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. couple things that have happened since our first hour. Well, Judson Richards, extra 1360 morning drive in San Diego, was on in-game while San Diego State, the lone-ranked team in action tonight, Mountain West Championship in the semifinals, no problem. And I say that as they squeeze by. We brought him on not only for in-game analysis, but in-game betting analysis. And as he joined us, they were 12.5-point in-game favorites, tied at the half with Boise State. And as you heard Judson say, this team, fifth-ranked team of the country heading into it, 30 went 30-1, and one, and they're not done yet by a mile have been down or without the lead for now five straight games at the half, including being tied with Boise State. So it's only a matter of time before they pull away. Well, they eventually win 81-68, to so they barely pull out the live in-game play. And the other thing that's happened, and look, I was witnessing this. I was living this out. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to lead on and make it a personal thing because you would have been clouded with my statements. Ah, Shanders bet it, so of course, you know, he's going to say this. But I purposely had to tease, and it doesn't matter what I teased it with because the other part won. But I purposely had to tease Miami as much as I possibly could because I knew I couldn't trust them on the road. And how can you? This is another situation. Look, it's so obvious. Miami and Philadelphia are probably going to have to face each other in the first round, so somebody's going to have to advance. But, man, either one of those teams will be immediately chopped up and cooked in the second round because neither one of these teams can win on the road. So I knew it was just a, uh, this letdown, a little bit of this letdown. But I also realized that six points is six points, and – yeah, it's on the road against a team that you should be able to play with. I just couldn't money line. I just couldn't take it as it was at two at uh, one point. Sorry. So the five-point teaser pushed it to six, and that's what they end. I'm telling you, this team disappoints even when they lose, even when they're able to cover a spread by getting points, even when you tease them because that was the max tease available here they still find a way. This team, like Penn State, like really any team in the Big Ten, 
mean, who in their right mind would go into a tournament? First quarter's over, 22-19. Bucks are up by three, but, man, this is a low-scoring affair. And we told you that before the game tipped, the under was at, what, 228.5, and we went under. Just based off of this being a tight game, contrived but still discussion of a playoff atmosphere, both teams really good defensively. But the Miami Heat, like the Philadelphia 76ers, like the Penn State Nittling Lions, like the Maryland Terps, all front-running squads that have a record behind them that are going to royally disappoint you when it comes to postseason. And, you know, when it's all said and done and the dust settles, there's going to be that Toronto team that's going to be sitting there like, what did you expect, man? We were in the playoffs last year. We kind of won this thing last year. Oh, you thought because we lost Kawhi Kawhi, we'd be cooked? Uh, Not so much. And then you can see in the college landscape, especially in the Big Ten, the one team that's been there, that everybody always finds a reason or or some sort of way to kind of justify, well, this is it. You know, finally Tom Izzo's message is gone. There's no way he's going to be able to motivate these guys. There's just no way it's going to happen. Well, prepare to be disappointed by those two NBA teams and prepare to see a gate opened wide for Michigan State atop the Big Ten because those two teams are just royal disappointments. I don't know what to make of San Diego State. This is one of the most intriguing teams that we've seen. It does have its Gonzaga feel like in years past, right? And I don't know if it's just the fact that Gonzaga just remains there no matter what, no matter how often we belittle their opponents and the conference, we still have the Zags up there at the top. And that has not impacted people's ability to rank Gonzaga. Even to where they've lost. Look, this is significant. A little bit less for Dayton because they're still kind of newer to this. But it's significant now that... Losing a couple of games doesn't knock you out of a top three or even top five situation. That's a big difference to where we were with Gonzaga a couple of years ago. San Diego State is not the top five, top six team in the country if they're, I don't know, three or four losses in their season. A couple of the Blue Bloods, they can bounce back. The conference, even as weak as it may seem, or in total chaos and mayhem as it may seem, you can bounce back. But San Diego State, now think about this. Even just looking at coming into tonight, where you saw rankings, the landscape's pretty difficult to figure out, folks. Gonzaga, Dayton, San Diego State. Make up three of your top five teams. Now, as much of a slam dunk as it may be in your brain to walk through the tournament and see Kansas victorious at the end of it, you do have to add the element of chaos in which these teams, and Gonzaga, I think, has crossed through that threshold to now they're not considered to be a team that would take anybody by surprise, as we were talking with Judson about, could San Diego State truly be a Cinderella? And on top of that, Gonzaga's a team that if they lose early, it's a major shock. It's not, oh, we told you that team didn't play anybody. We told you that team just beat up on slop all year. It's just a matter of time before they got exposed.
I think there is a belief. I don't know if it's a general belief. But I think unlike with Gonzaga right now, people are just waiting for San Diego State, that foot to drop. People are just waiting for the Aztecs to get handed a loss in the second round. Maybe even as a one seat, I don't know, but this would be an easy upset to point to. And I don't think it's necessarily one that would transfer over on the floor. It's not like, oh, this is an impossible matchup, fill in the blank. Is taking on San Diego State in the second round of the NCAAs. Oh, my goodness. What a ridiculously difficult matchup. Shame on the seeding committee, the tournament committee, for making this such a difficult matchup. In the, oh, no, I, I don't think it's going to be from a basketball standpoint. I think it's just going to be for a matter of, look, this team has been floating and really just getting by. And that is the concern. That, I think, is something that's different than Gonzaga who at one point was running a streak of like 18 to 22-point spreads that they were covering. So, yeah, they beat up on bad teams in the Western Conference, but at the same time, you also have a statement that's made and supported and backed up when they go up against better competition in the tournament. Are we there yet for San Diego State? No, they don't have the pedigree. They've earned this year. Clearly, they've earned all the accomplishments of winning that conference and being a top five seed and now winning the conference championship. I mean, they're going to win this thing. So they're going to be odds on, at least, in there for a one seed. Baylor and Kansas stand a lot larger of, you know, stand risk, I would say a lot larger opportunity of losing in their conference tournaments than any of these three that we mentioned that are playing in much smaller conferences. But even if that doesn't happen, there's going to be an argument for San Diego State who would finish at 31-1 following winning their conference tournament. It's a hell of a season, and you shouldn't, nor do I want to sound like I'm taking anything away, but we've been here before, have we not? I feel like we've seen this. I feel like with Gonzaga, we've gone through this, and San Diego State is at the infancy period of this, and they don't, they're not going to get that respect, and they're not going to get trusted. And as far as that national conversation that Judson was on with us in the previous hour talking about, he in San Diego and us kind of around the country, yet they are looked at with a little bit of hesitation. And it's not that they lost the way in which they lost that one game to UNLV. It's more the way in which they've been playing. And it's a concern to see a team sleepwalk knowing that they can beat a team with their arm tied behind their back by double-digit points in any conference matchup. Do you just flip that switch in the tournament? I don't think so. Even if it takes a first-round matchup where you look up and you see, wow, this 116 or this 215 matchup is actually close, or wow, that 16 or 15 seat actually has the lead. Yeah, and then we see these teams snap back into it, and then there's this push. And we'll see a run happen where a team is on the verge of elimination. Wake-up call. That's what you'll hear defined as. Oh, that's a wake-up call. Well, this team hasn't had a wake-up call. And they do have one more game, I think, to solidify trust. And it's it's unfortunate and it's unfair, but it's the breaks, folks. 
San Diego State has one more opportunity in the conference finals to blow a team out, to put a squad on their back by 20, 25 points, and roll into the conference, not be down at the half, not trail at the half, not be tied at the half, but actually come out and play legit ball. And all of a sudden, turn that narrative around into something. At Shander Shows, hey, get me on Twitter. Aton Shander, it's the second level. Heard this cut from Draymond Green in the first hour, and it opens up something about, it's just about the analyst. Something, and we'll get to this coming up in the next segment, about the analyst, and really is Charles Barkley is at the forefront of it. Just to kind of take you around what's happening here, NBA still going on, 31-25, nine minutes to go in the second quarter. Low-scoring affair. Lakers and Bucks are locked into it, and it has not been the shootout that I don't know who expected, but at least I, and hopefully you were along the ride, did not expect. Now, this thing could turn at any given moment. So I don't want to sit here and say that anything has been won. There's no victory yet. But the Bucks came out and did, I think, what was the easier narrative to follow, which is... The Lakers are going to play tight. The Lakers are going to play in a slower tempo. Are the Bucks going to entertain that? And if they are, where are they going to get their productivity? So what the Bucks did in the first quarter was essentially come out. You know, a little help of this spills over into the second quarter where we are now as the Lakers have had to call a timeout. But what happened really for the first 15 minutes of gameplay or so has been just focus all of your energy on defense and let Giannis just do whatever. And that's happened so far, where he's just been everywhere. And that's going to be this key difference. And I don't know if you took the Lakers tonight. I don't know if you thought that this was just a game in which the Lakers would get up for, or this would be such a payoff to any Lakers fans there. You know, look at at the opposite of what's happening with Spike Lee and whatever door he's allowed or not allowed to use with James Dolan. This is the opposite like Jack and everybody comes in, and this is like a humongous game where all the who's who of the who's who are there. And LeBron shows out for this home crowd, and the Lakers just put it on Milwaukee. I don't know how you could really entertain any of that narrative with any team in the NBA if Milwaukee's in town. Because I went back and forth. I wrestled with that myself. Tonight, specifically, what narrative would play out? It's really one of two. It's Giannis is coming to town, folks. Hide your wife, hide your kids. Remember that? (laughs) Jack, do you remember that? I do. I remember that viral video. (laughs) That's got to be. Like, that must be one of the first viral videos, right? Like, how long ago was that? Gosh, I want to say like 2008, 2009. Yeah, I, I mean, think about that. You're right. That was like when YouTube was in its infancy, too. Exactly. Antoine Dodson. And the beauty of this is that they remade it. Remember? They remixed it into a song. It was like auto-tuned into a song. It was a remix. Oh, my goodness. There was a Bed Intruder song. It's got its own Wikipedia page. <laughs> No, I mean, I laugh because it was all ridiculous, but this whole thing was born, of course, out of a story where there was an intruder and trying to sexually assault a woman. 
and her brother was pretty upset about it. It was like, you know, hey, there's a man out here. Hide your wives. He's technically verbatim. It's hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband. (laughs) That turned into a song. And if you know, like, The Office, right, that whole thing at the end with Andy. Oh, man. See, I got to break. Otherwise, we'll go down an Antoine Dodson rabbit hole. But that's it, man. That's one of the narratives. It's one of two. It's either LeBron and company are going to show out for Hollywood or hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your husband because Giannis is in town. It's the second level, Eitan Shander. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. Lakers, full timeout. 6.50 to go in the second. They trail by 11 and... Look no further than Giannis right now doing all the damage. Anthony Davis is in foul trouble. He's still out there on the floor. So you're getting somewhat of an opportunity to be productive. He's just not doing much, nor is anybody else actually for the Lakers. This is really just Giannis coming and just dropping elbows and instilling his will on both sides of the floor. I mean, you probably have a triple-double by the half or at least close to it. Add a couple more assists, you might actually have a triple-double by the half. So the two narratives for this game, and that's why it was way too close, one-and-a-half-point line, way too tight for a team in Milwaukee who plays really well on the road, especially defensively. And then on the flip side, you've got the Lakers, who are a tough out at home. They have lost. I mean, double digits at home is, is something. They have lost a couple of games, or 22-7, and seven, pardon me. At home, they have lost a couple of games here. It's it's not like where Milwaukee or Philly or you know even Miami has been. They are beatable, but it's just a matter of the moment. And you knew that this was going to be a gigantic game Friday night in L.A. that the Lakers would show up and play and, and really bust their humps trying to beat a really difficult Milwaukee team on the road. So I can't tell you that. They're giving it their all, and Milwaukee is just fighting them off. But the other narrative was there's nothing you could do. The other one, and and that's why it was so tight, you didn't get any break at all from the book. Nothing. To where even if you were 50-50 split on the narrative, you could at least fall back on the number. Well, the Lakers are either going to show out for Jack Nicholson and company and win this game, or Giannis is coming to town. Well, what's the book tell me? What's the number tell me? Number tells you, just flip a coin, brother. Number tells you that you're SOL right now and trying to find any type of advantage and one and a half points ain't giving you much at all. You know, the the likelihood of this thing coming down to a one-point game, I think you have a better shot at one of these teams blowing the other one out by 15. Now, with that said, I don't know why, but it made me think of... It was like, you know, hide your wives, hide your kids. Giannis is coming to town, and that's the go-to. Antoine Dodson is the go-to. So Jack found this video here, and there are 
two things. One is the actual interview, and everybody saw this interview, and it was like, oh, my God, it went viral. It was one of the first viral videos on YouTube. I don't even know on YouTube, but I feel like mainly on social it went around. So you'll hear the interview. We also have the song. I tell you what, what should we start with? Should we start? You tell me. What's Are both ready to go, or should we just? The song is. Okay, let's roll with the song because it was basically this guy, Antoine Dodson, coming out saying, hide everybody, and it just turned into this whole viral moment. And then what furthered the moment was this song. So dumb, so dumb, he's climbing your windows, he's snatching your people up, trying to rape them, so y'all need to hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your wife, and hide your husband, cause they're breaking everybody out here. You don't have to come and confess, we're looking for you, we gon' find you, we gon' find you, so you can run and tell that, run and tell that, run and tell that, homeboy, homeboy. Now that's something, man. The genius use of auto-tunes to turn that into a song. You won't find a better use of auto-tune. What, are you going to go to a Britney Spears or Justin Timberlake song? Or No. Some new hot singer that's there for about eight minutes, and before you even learn the lyrics of the new song, that person's out. Auto-tune the hell out of it? No. Some rapper who's singing on their own song that's auto No, that is the best absolute number one application. I think that actually put auto-tunes on the map, right? I mean, what's a... Where did that initially come from? Like, who was the singer, who was the artist, the entertainer that put auto-tunes on the map? T-Pain, I would say. T-Pain? So when... I guess. Okay, but that... See, think about this. When did T-Pain first come out? 07, 08... That's when he got really big, yeah. Right. Now, when was he um, actually auto-tuning? Same time? I would say after that song, like, Buy You a Drink came out, that's when he started really using auto-tune, like, to a crazy extent. Okay, now that was... Like, 07. 07, yeah. Okay, so right around then. Now, I think that's also the time in which auto-tune... And this is 96. Do you know that? It goes back to 96 auto-tune. I wouldn't have guessed that. No, because it was only used more recent with weak-ass singers. Scratchy beneath the surface. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. First half is winding down. Lakers cut it down to six points right now. So we'll keep an eye on what Giannis and I guess the rest of the Bucks are doing. And if, in fact, foul trouble means everything or maybe nothing for Anthony Davis in the second half. And just to update you on something I found, and this is just going to put an end to it, Trey Parker one of the co-creators of South Park, was quoted on the use of auto-tune as he used it for a song on an episode in South Park and said he found that he had to sing off-key in order to sound distorted. Quote, you had to be a bad singer in order for that thing to actually sound the way it does. If you use it and you sing into it correctly, it doesn't do anything to your voice. 
So I'll explain all of that, why it continues to come up tonight and why Giannis is connected to it. But we go out to the guest line and bring in Jared Smith at Jared Lee Smith. Sports Grid, Wager Talk, MSGN Networks as well. FanDuel covers everywhere, all things betting, all sports. Jared, Aton Shander, how's it going tonight, brother? Aton, I think the, uh, the auto-tune would definitely work for me. <laughs> you and me both. Yeah, so all right. <laughs> do you remember, and this is, it just randomly popped up, as things always do in shows with sure. me, so I apologize. And you know now what to expect with me, which is chaos. But we were talking before this game tipped at 1030 Eastern in L.A., where it was really one of two narratives. It was the Lakers, this is a Friday night primetime game, L.A. Staples Center, you're showing out for Jack and all the other fans, right, the anti-Spike Lee stuff going on. Or it was, if you remember this video, it was hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your husband, because Giannis is coming to town. And then we played that video, and then it got out down this whole rabbit hole of auto-tunes. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've got this game on right now. I've got two games on right now. I've got the Lakers-Bucks game, and I've got this Mountain West semi-Utah uh, State-Wyoming. The Lakers look okay. I, I, I mean, you know, both teams are playing really well defensively. It feels like a finals game already. Uh, I, I could see this being a, a really good finals matchup, but uh, obviously we've got a lot of hoops to play before then. But I, I actually think the Lakers probably will come back and win this game in the second half. Well, looking at that, and I, I think coming into it, based on what you're saying and how this game has played out, the under kind of jumped out, right? It was way oh, too yeah. tight. Oh, yeah. But it was just way too tight at on one and a half. Under, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was an interesting spread. I think the spread was probably spot on. I think the Bucks probably deserve to be favored, to be perfectly frank. They've been playing a little bit better right now. And the Lakers have been feasting on a lot of bad teams. Actually, the Lakers, the Lakers have a, the, the second most wins against good teams this season. The Bucks don't have as many good wins as you would think. And their schedule is tough down the stretch. But I think in general right now, I think the Bucks are a little bit more healthy, a little more rested, and they're a little deeper right now. Uh, and, and, and they're certainly proving it tonight. They're, they're throwing some waves at the lane. This is a physical game right now. Yep. There are a lot of fouls called in this game. Both teams are chirping. Uh, this is a physical game. I, I, I can see the Lakers making some plays down the stretch. It's a close game. Uh, it's a fun game. You know, this is, this, is, this is what we want in the NBA. I mean, this is, this is showtime on a Friday night. Eh, 42-40 right now, three-minute mark, and the in-game line's down to a half point. You know, both teams are laying on the money line right now, as you would expect from how you laid this whole thing out, Jared. The one factor where I might stay away entirely from the Lakers would be Anthony Davis having three fouls going into the second half. Yeah, and we'll see what adjustments they make at half. I mean, these things have a funny way of evening out. There's no way the refs are going are to be tight on their whistles in the second half. Uh, with Davis and 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 frankly, this is this is good adversity for the Lakers. I mean, we haven't seen either team really uh, face any adversity this season, and and you know it's it's really fun to kind of watch these teams struggle a little bit. And this is a struggle tonight. You know, neither team is getting anything easily, uh, especially in the paint. Uh, I believe these are the two leading teams in block shots. Uh, you know, top, I know the Lakers lead the league in block shots. I want to say the Bucks are in the top five as well. So this is a tough physical game. Neither team's getting anything they want. 
Both teams are going to have to go to second and third options in the second half. LeBron's going to have to be a distributor, and 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 that's been his his strong suit this year. I mean, he leads the league in assists. That's something he's never done in his career, which is something that I don't think we're talking enough about right now for him at age 35 and year 17 to be doing this at this level. But this is a fun game. I, I could I, I would love selfishly to see this in the finals. I think there's a couple of other matchups we'd love to see as well. But uh, this is certainly the one one of the matchups we would we would love to see seven times uh, come June. All right, give me a matchup that does not include at least one of the two L.A. teams in Milwaukee that you would really want to see from either a betting, entertainment, or maybe even a mixture of both. I I mean, I think Toronto's fascinating because of how deep they are. Totally agree. I I think the, the... you know, but I, I think in terms of uh, uh, you know, in terms of like ratings and you know juiciness, I, I don't think having Toronto without Kawhi back in the finals with a Canadian market would be something the NBA would want. That doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But right. I, I, I think Boston, I, I, I think Boston and Houston are the two teams that would be if you if you'd say I can't pick the Lakers, the Clippers, or the Bucks, which would be the best matchup to see. I think it would be Boston and Houston, and for two reasons. One, Houston has two players that are, that are on the same level as LeBron and AD in terms of their talent and, and, and their star power. Harden and Westbrook, you know, obviously they're not LeBron and Anthony Davis, but they're right there, and, and people love to watch Harden play. He has this certain flair about him that people love, and Westbrook has the fire, and, and these are two guys that used to play together and now they've kind of rekindled this flame. I, I think it's a long shot that it happens, but I think if you were going to give me, if you were going to ask another team in the Western Conference that would be fun to see play in the finals, I, I think the Rockets would be one of those. T- I think the Rockets would be that team. I, I frankly don't think there's any other team besides the Lakers or the Clippers and the Rockets that have a chance to get into the NBA Finals this season in the Western Conference. And Boston in the East is always fascinating me. I mean, if you remember, Aton, Boston won that game in Milwaukee last year, game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals, and people, you know, kind of were like, well, you know, is Boston going to be that team that kind of steps up and becomes that next Toronto? They're deep. They've got one of the best coaches in the league. I say this to everyone I do segments with. If you want great <laughs> entertainment, just Google search Brad Stevens out of timeouts, and you'll be entertained for a long time. Uh, he, he, he's, about as, he, he's about as smart as it gets. Boston and Houston will be fun. I don't think it's going to happen. I do think it will be Milwaukee and one of the L.A. teams. But I'd like to see – I have a big futures position on, on both Boston and Toronto, and I'd obviously love to see either of those teams. I think one of those teams will be in the Easter Conference Finals against the Bucks. We'll just see which one. Awesome, Jared. I, I want to get your thoughts on something because I know it's impacted futures. I think even depending on where you are, like in PA – I think they've even been taken off the board right now as far as their totals are concerned. You're up in New York, so this is not only a betting story, but it's also a local story. What's happened with Aaron Judge now and the ribs being out for two weeks, possibly needing surgery, how much of an impact is that? Just a quick aside, how much of an impact does that have now on futures bets, in your opinion, with the Yankees? I I don't think it's as big as people think. In terms of the futures markets, I, I mean, the Yankees are still priced as the favorites in the American League. They're pretty much neck and neck with the Dodgers uh, as the World Series favorites. Yep. And it's a pretty significant gap, Aton, between them and the next best team, which right now is the Minnesota Twins. You know, the Houston Astros are right there as well, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm down on them. Uh, 
so I, I would put the Twins ahead of the Astros at this point in terms of that next contender behind the Yankees. I mean, it, it, it's a bad American League this year, Aton. Yeah. Like, there, there, there are not a lot of teams in the American Like, I mean, if, if you think Houston's going to have success this season and you think the talent will rise, then, yeah, they're the next best team talent-wise than the Yankees. But I, I don't know how their mindset is going gonna, is gonna to stack up over 162 games this season at least dealing with what they're dealing with. I would be surprised if, if, if they held up. And if they do, then that's a credit to them. Uh, but, I, I, you know, it's a weak American League, and the American League East is down. I mean, I think the Tampa Bay Rays, there's nowhere to go for them but down. They pretty much maxed out every win that they could possibly get with that roster last year, and they didn't really add much to it. You know, I think they're going to get Morton back healthy, but we'll see how much he has in the tank. And I don't think their offense is going to be as good as it was last year. Boston is clearly down. Uh, Toronto is very down, and Baltimore is Baltimore. So who else are the Yankees losing to in that division? The rest of the American League, besides the Astros, is, is very average. I mean, I think the Twins are really that next best team. Oakland maybe is in that category as well. Uh, I wouldn't put Tampa Bay or Cleveland I was just going to ask. Nice little small wager on Tampa, twenty-one to one. <laughs> You're I staying away. Their, I mean, if, if if you just look at their offense, there's just not much meat on the bone. Like it's just right. a very thin offense, and you know that's what we're seeing with the Yankees. And you know it, it, it's biting them early. And actually, the, the the irony is these injuries to Severino and Judge they, they happened last year. And so the Yankees are still not healthy from last year's uh, injuries, which is fascinating because this is a team that struggled with injuries all of last season. They're still not healthy. Uh, oh, wow, the Lakers just tied this game up. This is, this is going to be yeah, a fun game in the it second is. half. It is, man. Uh, yeah, and now I'm thinking it, it, maybe the Lakers' second game. half would be a play here. I have to get the actual yeah, line Yeah, you know, on it's it, funny. But... One of the uh, article I did today, I had the first quarter under – uh, which was an easy win, and I had Lakers on the money line in the first half, so we'll see, we'll see if I get the push there. Uh, but, no, I mean, I, I think the American League is still pretty much Yankees or bust, and, and people forget how deep this team is. You're going to have Clint Frazier, who was a, you know, a, a major centerpiece in that, in that Andrew Miller deal a couple years ago uh, as your everyday right fielder now, perhaps. Uh, and then we'll see what Miguel Andujar has. You know, he could potentially – he could potentially be the left fielder of this team uh, if they shake out that way after what we've seen from him at third base. Uh, you know, he's been moving around a lot. This team is just so deep. Eh? I mean, they're, they're, they're just so deep, and they're stacked at every position on the infield, and they are absolutely loaded in the farm system too. So I, I have faith in Brian Cashman. Uh, as a Yankees fan, I have to. I don't have a choice. <laughs> but as a, as, a better, as a better, I think he is, he is more in tune to this team than people think, and he knows – uh, when to throttle up and when to throttle down. They have some arms that you don't really think about right now that are coming back. Uh, Jordan Montgomery is the first one that comes to mind. I think he's going to have a bounce-back season. And The Yankees are going to be an exciting team. I would be shocked if they don't win 100 games. Jared Smith joining us at Jared Lee Smith, Aton Shander. And let's avoid the Northern Iowa drink game and focus on a couple oh, yeah, of other yeah, yeah. games. <laughs> you and I both took a bath on it, so that's fine. I know, I know. That was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, they went hey, on a 16-0 run, and that, oh, my goodness. You got to credit Drake, and, you know, you take the L, you move on. But let, let's work in reverse, because I'm always curious about how your mind works in-game and knowing that you do a lot of this for Sports Grid and just the nature of live in-game betting. So you've been watching before we came on and while we're on the Utah State-Wyoming game. It's way too tight for Wyoming being this bad. Is there any in-game value right now? I mean, that line didn't drop by much 
I see it at 14 and a half, despite it being an 18-14 game. Maybe the total. Is there any in-game value here, Jared? You know, it's funny because it, every time I watch a game, I, I almost I, I almost do myself a disservice when I bet it pregame sometimes because it makes me have this preconceived notion about what the game should be. And, and sometimes I get stubborn with when I jump in. And that's a great like to me, that's the best piece of advice I can give to someone who's interested in live betting. Don't make a bet on the game pregame. Don't even think about the game. Like, like don't like, like try to take yourself outside of where you think the scope of the game is going to go. Because when I'm watching this Utah State Wyoming game right now, you're you're right. It is very close to the best. Wyoming down four. The line's fourteen and a half. We are seeing it shaded to Utah State. I, I do think Utah State wins this game, which is which is why I wouldn't get to the window on Wyoming at any mm-hmm. stage. It, the the only like and the only way I would get to the window on this game is if Wyoming got off to the good start, which they really haven't. They've been a little sluggish as well. Uh, Utah State has kind of just muscled their way through the first ten minutes of this game, and that's why we haven't seen any adjustment on the line because there really hasn't been that big run yet. That's kind of either team has kind of established themselves. Like if Wyoming got off to the good start, which is what we saw earlier with Drake, you know that's when I would be tempted to jump in on the favorite. I'm much more apt to jump in on a favorite trailing than an underdog ahead, meaning if the underdog is ahead, I don't want to bet on that underdog to hold the lead. A, the value is totally sucked out. B, it, you know, the odds are against you. The odds are that the, that the favorite is going to start playing better at some point during the game. So I always look to jump on the favorites with the line decrease instead of the other way around. I, 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 don't, I don't want to be late to the party. That's awesome education right there, Jared. Thank you, man, for the time tonight. Appreciate it, brother. We'll talk soon. Aton, anytime, brother. You know you're my guy, man. Let's go. Let's, let's win some bets this weekend. I love it, man. With that mentality, you just want a lot of people some money. All they need to do is just place it now. Thank you. At Jared Lee Smith is how you follow him on Twitter. Sports Grid, Wager Talk, FanDuel, covers all over the place. Fantastic follow. Even, and I would say especially, if you're betting in-game because as you get insight that's happening live and at 18-14, in the first half, nine-minute mark or so, I went over. I mean, it's at 142-and-a-half right now. And if Utah, when Utah State, who's significantly better than Wyoming, pulls away, you're going to see a lot more points being scored. That's been the trend so far. We'll wrap the hour next at Shander Show. Eight's on Shander. It's the second level. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. So we reached the half real quick, and it's tied up. Meanwhile, Utah State... Starting to pull away a little bit in the first half, only at the 10-minute mark, but there's a lot of college basketball going on right now. So if you're watching along, you can follow on multiple different outlets. The streams are up. Twitch.tv slash Shander Show. Facebook is Aton Shander, and of course the Periscope is the same as the Twitter, at Shander Show. You've seen a lot of bad ideas when it comes to minor league baseball teams. This is by far the worst Also, we need to set an XFL lineup for the weekend. Third hour and the second level is coming up right now. 
Set your system's volume control for slightly above the normal listening level. Let's go. Second level thinking is defined as looking beyond the easy, obvious conclusions. You got to do some smart thinking. Welcome to the second level. To the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Where we go beyond the box score. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage is with you every step of the way. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's your host, Aton Shander couple of things as we inch closer to second half tips. You've got the Mountain West going on. You also have the Lakers and Bucks game, which is the NBA game of the year. Tied up, Lakers have battled back. And if you're looking at any value, well, you could still sneak in right now, at least in PA where I'm sitting. And I've checked a couple of the <clears throat> global markets. You can get Milwaukee at plus numbers to win the second half. And that's it. That's the bet right now is which team is going to win the second half as it's tied coming into this. And for those of you who maybe are new to it, that's fine. It's still brand new to the country. You look at now second half value specifically. And the big thing for me, and this is what I brought up with Jared Smith from SportsGrid in the second hour, is foul trouble. And as much as that whistle may be a little looser in the second half, you still have three attached to Anthony Davis, and that might be enough right there to limit his ability defensively. And look, they need everything they can possibly get. So we're underway in the second half there. First half is winding down as Utah State and Wyoming getting a little more offense in that game. I mentioned the worst idea possible, and I I just can't for the life of me figure out how stuff like this gets passed, gets greenlit. And then I'm reminded, well, because it's minor league baseball, and if you're familiar with or if you live in a city, an area that has minor league baseball, you know they need as many butts as they can possibly get in the seats, and it's very difficult to do that. That's probably what was going through the minds of the Yankees minor league team, the Charleston River Dogs when they announced that the May 26th promotion, where the team promised they'd put a, quote, juicy spin on the O.J. Simpson murder case, quote, we will finally receive the verdict that everyone has been waiting for, pulp or no pulp. The event announcement reads, the team was promising a free O.J. trial shirt for each person. And you see, it was about orange juice. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. A couple of games going on right now as Utah State up over Wyoming. Now this thing is extended to 34-25. Pepperdine in Santa Clara. In the West Coast Conference Tournament, second round there, 41-26. Pepperdine is working Santa Clara. Now, Pepperdine barely finished. I mean, they're 15-15 and 15 this year. Santa Clara's 20-12, and 12, awful in conference. And that just goes to show you who they played. Now, there's one on ESPNU that I know people are paying attention to. That's the Ohio Valley Conference. This is the semis as well. And Murray State, familiar name, up 60-52 to 52 over Austin P. Both had good years 
both in conference and regular season. And this is actually a pretty good battle. But due to us chatting with Jared Smith from SportsGrid and him giving us a little bit of a piece of a, I'd say tidbit slash insight on the Utah State-Wyoming game, because that's the one he was watching. That's the one that I played. But there are a couple of good college games still left. San Diego State knocking off Boise State was the big one. And in the NBA, second half starting off really where the first half began and now ended because it started out with the Bucks taking the lead and now the Lakers are coming back. It's going to be locked in. 57-55, 8.40 to go in the third. We're here for another 45. This game isn't going anywhere. Now, I mentioned the OJ promotion. <laughs> I hesitate to even use that word, promotion. That one is clearly, it's shameful, and nobody thought that through. And that actually is probably the lowest of low that you'll find for these ridiculous minor league constant attempts to cheapen the sport by having different jerseys or crazy food or themes, whatever it is you see. In this case, the OJ trial for orange juice that's playing off of OJ himself, terrible idea. Now, not the same vein, but maybe as bad of an idea just because it's so blatantly obvious and transparent. But this independent minor league team in Chicago, the Chicago Dogs, they play in the American Association of Independent Baseball. They've announced that Mike Ditka signed a one-day contract to manage the team for their first home game of the year in May. So they did this, of course, to give out a Ditka bobblehead, which is an old-school thing of Ditka and the sweater and tie with his arms crossed, except instead of it saying bears, it says dogs. And then you get a little thing, because there's no way they're going to let this guy actually manage. Specifically, Ditka will co-manage alongside the team's usual skipper, Butch Hobson. Now, you think that Ditka is going to go over there and make a suggestion? Say, yeah, you know, Butch, why don't you take that guy out and uh, put the other guy in? And Butch is like, hey, guy, why don't you let me manage this team, all right? We gave away the bobbleheads. Why don't you let me manage this team? Let's hit fake news. So, can I ask you a question? Real or fake? We sift through the most important stories of the night to determine what's real. It's true. I know it's a weird thought, but it's true. And what's not. Don't believe those lies. Four stories, only three are real. It's Shander's job to pick out the fake news. Now, I think you've got me twice in a row, right, Jack? That is correct. I'm two for four, something like that. All right. Let's see if you can keep the streak going. All right, so our news, we will have no stateside news. This will be all international, starting in China. Wow, no Florida, huh? No Florida this week. I guess okay. Florida Florida man's on vacation this week. Okay. So China is trying to create a new animal to help fight an insect population in Pakistan. And I mean they're trying to genetically engineer ducks. Quote-unquote super ducks. Because apparently there's a big locust problem in Pakistan that's ruining their crops, and the government has declared a state of emergency. 
And so China is offering their support by sending over 100,000 quote unquote genetically engineered ducks to help fight the locusts. I, I don't even know where to begin. I mean, first off, how bad is it that you have to outsource an exterminator? It's one thing. I mean, I live in PA. I'm not calling an exterminator in New York City. I'm not calling somebody and flying them up from Miami. You can't get anybody in-house. You can't get anybody in Pakistan to come over and fix the problem. It's that bad that you have to outsource it to China. And then, look, the entire globe is on edge right now on anything that's coming from China, real or fake. And I know that's the name of the segment here, but my goodness, look, even if it's just mass hysteria that's built and based off of nothing that you can apply a foundation to, still people would say, nah, I don't think I'm going to get that package from China this week. I might wait a couple of weeks. I might let this whole thing die down, and then I'll receive anything that I normally get from China. And I think that would also account for ducks, especially if they're creating these ducks. Now, I can't say I'm shocked because you've had fast food places genetically creating chickens for years, but those are to be eaten, not necessarily kill locusts. Not super ducks. No, not super ducks. And, and do you have any idea, like, how big are these ducks? Are they bigger than an average duck? Smarter than an average bear? <laughs> All it says here was that these ducks, you know, were not necessarily genetically tested. They were just fed differently. So that way they're, quote, unquote, superior ducks than the average normal ducks. Right, so I wonder if there's any correlation to the New York City subway rat that has been raised on Egg McMuffins. And maybe, just maybe, China realized, look, we already have KFC, McDonald's. We have all this stuff here. What happens if we raise some ducks on Big Macs? And then all of a sudden you see these things, you know, the 20, 25, 30 pounds heavier than a regular duck. And all that's changed is the food. All right, so China's sending genetically created ducks to Pakistan to fight their locust problem. It's not anything I thought we would start this segment off with, but here we are. It was way too good to pass up. No, that is, if it's real, it's even better. But if it's fake, then I'd say that's a fantastic one. All right, so our next one will go to the Great North in Canada, where a man... uh, misplaced his lottery ticket but someone picked it up and cashed it in and guess how much it was for so he misplaced his lottery ticket in canada somebody picked it up cashed it in a million dollars is what i'll guess it was close it was i mean i say that's not not nearly as good as a million but i'd still take this money in a heartbeat seven hundred forty four thousand eight hundred forty five dollars now is that canadian money is that american money I would assume Canadian money, so maybe it's like six hundred million yeah. U.S. dollars. Dollar is not what it used to be for sure in comparison to the Canadian. So that's fine. That's still a ton of money. So he he just dropped it. Yeah, the story said it goes to allege that he misplaced it. He thought he just lost it and it was losing ticket anyway. Apparently, it was one of his cousins. Crazy enough said they found a winning ticket and he asked them the winning numbers and for some reason this dude remembers it well okay 
if he either wrote it down or remembered it, and he gave the cousin the winning numbers before it was announced, then I think he has claim. But if he waited until the announcement came and realized that he had the winning ticket and then went back and said, hey, that's my ticket, here are the numbers, well, anybody could have done that. The only difference is that it's his cousin. It's this person's cousin, so there is kind of circumstance that plays a role in this. So what's he doing? He's trying to claim that it's his ticket and it's his money, I'm sure. Yeah, that's exactly what he's doing. He's essentially wanted to take his cousin to a civil court for that some amount, and now he's trying to get it to the Canadian Supreme Court. Look, if I'm either one of these people, I just split it. Or give him a quarter or something. Well, no, I mean, I think you have to split it, man. I do. I, I think if you are the cousin here, you know you're in the wrong. But there's enough ground to stand on to push it to this level. If you're talking about court. Now, look, maybe this cousin is a pain in the ass, a royal mounty pain in the ass, right? So you know that you're not going to get this person a budge and you're going to have to take him to court. But I think a reasonable person would look at that and say, okay, I fell ass backwards into money. I could still walk away even after taxes with over a quarter of a million dollars. Just make the deal. Just split it down the middle. Say, look, you lost it. It's okay. I found it. Otherwise, and you make the argument. Otherwise, somebody could have randomly picked it up, thrown it in the trash. You thought it was a losing ticket. You thought it was trash. It's not everything guaranteed to the guy who owns it. Boy, the Lakers right now are just rolling the bucks. 68-55 with 6.50 to go. All right, so story two in the books. Let's hit the third. All right, so this takes us out to France where a YouTuber wanted to pull an innocent prank of flooding his bathtub with uh, Orbeez is what they're called. They're these little balls that when you put them in water, they expand. So he thought it would be funny that you put, just put a bunch of these Orbeez in the bathtub so that when his girlfriend walks in and turns the water on, they just expand. What do they expand into? They're little balls, but they just get bigger in water. Like, are they foam or what's the substance? It's kind of plasticky. Uh, okay. The best way I can describe it is one of those little, like, foam things that you put in the water when you were a kid, and then they grew, like, twice the size. Well, they- that's what I thought. It was like, you know those cheap things that say they would grow, like those dinosaurs that yes. go from a pill into, like, a styrofoam thing? Yeah, these aren't styrofoam, though. They're, they're like... Oh, uh, not styrofoam. Uh, just foam, Yeah, I guess. Yeah, they're, they're a little little harder they're almost like plastic but i think the water inside of these balls makes them expand okay okay well it turns out he's in trouble because some of those balls went down the drain because he didn't clog the fully clog the drain and when those balls went into the sewer system they expanded and they actually caused a blockage in his neighborhood oh my goodness so they had to, the plumbers had to come out. They had to dig out all these little, like expanding balls, if you will, for lack of a better term. All because he wanted to have an innocent prank, and it got worse because when he turned the sink on, no water would come out. And right. he, even when he flushed a toilet, I kid you not, there were balls that were coming out of the toilet. How many did he put in the bathtub? 
There must have been like a hundred, right? Oh, there, there's thousands of it. Oh, there like, are that many? Yeah, he went all out. I don't know if you've ever seen that prank where they fill a bathtub up with like various products like cereal or I don't know, like just any kind of random liquid that shouldn't go in a bathtub. He put enough to fill up a whole bathtub and when the wa- and then when he turned the water on, then they That's expand. Insane. That is ridiculous. Oof. All right, I can't even imagine that I mean, think about it. Like, that should be an arrestable offense, right? You should be punished. You should be put in jail for that. If you have to... Oh, I'm sure he had to pay that property damage. damage. Yeah, well, that and it's... All, I don't know if he could pay all that. I mean, that, that sounds like a ton of property damage. I don't know how much you could put a lien on somebody's house and all that and just expect that you're going to get paid at some point before you just jail the person. There's silicone, by the way. There's silicone balls silicone. that, that okay. expand in water. And what are they called? Orbeez? Yes, they're they're kind of a latest kind of toy trend. Yeah, I, I. But that's isn't that crazy though? Hey, add water to this and expands. That concept has been around forever. I mean, you had those crap dinosaurs back in the day. They were terrible because they would be advertised as like uh, you growing could grow into a giant like, dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, and it would just be this piece of crap that would barely. And then you know, part of that gelatin on the pill. Would never fully go away. It was just nasty. All right, let's recap real quick. So, in reverse, we've got the Orbeez that caused an insane amount of property damage. We've got the story in the middle. The Ducks was the first one, the genetic Ducks. Yes. Second one was in France, correct? Yeah. Oh, no, it was in Canada where the lottery lottery fight. Right. All right, now let me talk through this. Another good one here because I can see all three of them being real, especially that second one. I'm going to say, hmm, I'm going to say just because I think that either due to real tangible things or simply xenophobia, the first one is false because nobody in their right mind right now would be voluntarily taking anything out of China, right? You would be correct. Okay, okay. (laughs) So there is a little bit of more to the story. They initially wanted, they offered just regular ducks to fight these locusts, but Pakistan actually turned them down. That's hilarious. So this is based on a real story. Yes. I can't believe it. Now, China, I mean, think about that. Like, that's their solution. Don't worry about it. We'll give you these ducks. Super Ducks. Super Ducks. At Shander Shows, hey, get me on Twitter. Nice job, man. That was a tough one. And again, it was process of elimination. <clears throat> At Shander Shows, hey, get me. Talk some XFL coming up this hour. It's the second level. Scratching beneath the surface. It's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. One thing that's living up to the entertainment value for tonight, without a doubt, LeBron, Giannis, both guys have shown up and are putting on respective shows. Now, defensively, This is where Milwaukee is starting to fall off in this game. 
78-67. We're winding down in the third quarter. So hopefully we'll be on for the majority of this game. I don't think we'll be on as this thing ends. And we'll go out to Houston, talk some XFL, Roughnecks and Beyond coming up in eight minutes with Jake Meltzer. But before that, at 78-67, any of that second-half Milwaukee Bucks in-game play might be cooked. 38-31, mind you. Utah State's up over Wyoming, and that's at the half. But this game really has turned into LeBron James. And that's what we spoke about in the beginning, and that's why I kind of went down that Antoine Dodson rabbit hole with Ija Wyatt and kids and all with Giannis coming to town. And Giannis has been playing well, but that third quarter has belonged to the L.A. Lakers, and LeBron James fueled it. And you'll see this. It'll be all over SportsCenter, NBA team. It'll be everywhere tonight into the morning. Until more NBA games are played, you'll see that one moment. And we actually will we'll track it down for you in English and Spanish. How about that? Where LeBron James squaring up, facing up with Giannis. Couple of dribbles, goes in, gets by Giannis, another defender, lays it up, and then mean mugs everybody in the building as he's trailing back after the bucket. I mean, it was an insane move by LeBron. It wasn't, you know, this insane display of athleticism. It was just quickness that and strength from a guy who's in, what, a 17th year. But as far as a finals preview, as far as leading up to the hype, we got that in the first half. We got that. I, not now. And Milwaukee is doing everything they can to try and keep this thing close. But to be fair to the Lakers, they just keep coming back. And this third quarter is not doing wonders for anybody who took the under, mind you, but it's doing a ton for the Lakers right now. This is becoming a blowout. And this is becoming, and we spoke to Jared Smith from SportsGrid about this, and he mentioned how the Bucks' record against good teams, and this clearly qualifies as a good team, not as good as you think. They don't have as strong of a record against quality opponents, to use that term, as you would think. And yet still, down 85-73 with a buck 18 in the third quarter, there is so much time and so much firepower for this team to go on a run. I guess the difference right now is who's slowing down LeBron. Because from a scoring standpoint, he's definitely in a comfort zone. But, and Anthony Davis picking up another foul, that's going to be another topic of conversation if, in fact, the Lakers find a way to give up this lead and lose this game if AD's either out or on the bench because of foul trouble towards the end of it. I just don't know who's stopping LeBron. Giannis is playing a really good game offensively, yet defensively, and a lot of this is just because the third quarter where LeBron just took over, you're not getting it from a defensive standpoint. Lakers, on the other hand, to be nearly done through three quarters and have the Bucks put up 73 points, that's a shock. And they're doing a significantly better job limiting other people outside of Giannis. And look, let's be fair. When you're struggling defensively, and although 85 is not blowing the doors out for the Lakers by any means, but the Bucks haven't been able to compensate. And that's probably the biggest difference tonight. 
This is all about that home crowd showing up, primetime, Hollywood. It didn't start out that way, but to be fair, the team showed up like what the fans do. Everybody shows up late. Everybody arrives late, fashionably late. The Lakers just did that. Shame on us for thinking otherwise. Shame on me for taking the Bucks to win the second half. All they did was just show up a little late, you know? Funniest thing about Lakers broadcasts is how many people you see in the stands that are wearing gear of other teams, in some cases, other sports. And you know what? It's socially acceptable. Wear your Yankees hats. Wear your Red Sox hats. Wear your Knicks gear. Wear your Dolphins gear. Wear your Cowboys. It's okay. It's acceptable. Yeah, Yankees, Cowboys, Lakers, you get the theme. We'll talk XFL next. Second level, eight times again. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts studios, here's Aton Shander. Busy weekend in the XFL Week 5 as you got in hopefully early on Tuesday when these lines come out. Some movement. Big one starts in Houston as they host the Seattle Dragons. New quarterback in Seattle. Don't know how much of a difference it's going to make clearly. As you know, here in Philadelphia, the connection is... The Houston Roughnecks have become Philadelphia's squad because of P.J. Walker, the Temple connection. But laying 12-and-a-half at home doesn't seem to be too much the way in which this team has been playing. Jake Meltzer, at Jake Meltzer on Twitter, joining us, SB Nation Radio, Eitan Shander on the second level. Jake, first and foremost, man, thank you for the time tonight. And I know there's a lot of excitement with the league returning this weekend. Let's start with you in Texas, and let's start with the Houston Roughnecks. You look at that line, it's the biggest line by a mile this weekend. Any concerns about laying 12.5 for Houston? Of, of course, Aton. First of all, thanks. Uh, thank you for having me on. And I have uh, right next to my Seattle-Houston matchup here on my notes is my pick of the week because I think there is no chance that Houston covers 12.5 wow. points this week. And I'm, I'm from Houston. I love P.J. Walker, and I, lo- I love Cam Phillips, and I think they make a great connection. Right. However, um, you did mention that Seattle has a new quarterback, and that quarterback uh, completed half of his passes, threw for 100 yards, ran for 78, and a touchdown uh, last week when he came in as a replacement. So uh, I would not risk the money on 12.5 points if it, was, if, if it were me. No, it makes sense, and and I think the one thing I'm still a little up in the air about for Houston is their defense, and we'll, and we'll get to the total in a second, but I just wonder, with the conversation about the quarterback being the odds-on favorite for the MVP and the offense having a wide receiver like Cam Phillips, as you mentioned, who has just been dominant, a running back in Butler that they can go to consistently, I guess the one Achilles heel, and I guess the main issue would be their defense, right? Yes, and with Coney Ely out this week, um, the defense is going to have even more issues uh, stopping the run because the Vipers have – uh, I'm sorry, uh, the, run, the run team they're going up against, they have, a strong, they have a strong run game. 
however, with uh, Coney Ely out on the defensive line, plus uh, their struggles Houston's having stopping the passing game, I really don't see it uh, being a blowout. And one important stat to note is that Houston has not uh, won any of their last three games by more than, more than uh, seven points. Wow. That is shocking based on how consistent their offense has looked. So let's look at that total. I see it at 46 right now. And that feeds into what you were saying with the quarterback change in Seattle, Jake, because initially I, I saw this stat, and I have to credit Dave Lochran from SiriusXM who put this out. But before they made that change, Seattle was number one in throwing the ball deep downfield. They just couldn't connect. Like, they just they insisted on continuing to throw deep downfield, but the quarterback was so bad they couldn't connect worth the damn. But now with that change and the questions about Houston's defense, over 46 seems like a reasonable play. Over 46 certainly seems like a reasonable play. Brandon Silver's uh, playing quarterback for Seattle those first few weeks. That was a, that was a death sentence for them. <laughs> and I, I think this new quarterback is uh, capable enough to put up some points against a defense that's not that great. And as we've mentioned already a few times, this Houston offense is going to put up uh, the points that they're going to put up. So 46 points, no, not a bad play at all. So you start to move down, and we see the totals have dropped significantly from where they were first couple of weeks, and the books are starting to catch up on this. But the quarterback play has also been a really good indicator of it. We know Landry Jones gets hurt last week. Dallas still at home laying the seven against the New York Guardians, who get a win after making a quarterback change of their own. Again, seven points is a lot. I know it's the XFL and you can win with a nine-point score, but seven still seems like a lot. Seven is a, seven is a lot of points, and this game is in Dallas. However, uh, last week, although the uh, Guardians did win, they averaged 2.7 yards per play. Oh. So they won. They won a game in which they were averaging less than three yards per play. So I think that says more about L.A., who they went up against last week, than it does about them. Um, so while the Guardians, uh, New York, they've only scored five touchdowns this season, they've only given up eight, and Dallas is using a new QB, and he's has to learn a new system this week. And I think this game is going to be a lot closer than people think. 37 points. I mean, it's not 46 like the first one now. It, it really does get tight. You know, like a 2017 game does seems high for both of these teams in their own right. I guess the question is, how much do you trust New York to get you to that 37? Because Dallas, you're right, at home, new quarterback, they at least have had somewhat consistency at the receiver position, a running back that can play well. I wonder how much you trust New York to help reach that 37 number. I just can't – I really can't see either team scoring over 21 to 23 points in this one. Um, so that that over-under is probably the biggest toss-up. Um, I would have – I would definitely have trouble uh, betting on points in this game, especially considering that Dallas could put up zero. I mean, I, I don't even know who their quarterback is. Yeah, oh. that that's a great call. You know, his name is his name is Philip Nelson, and they do have Cam uh, Cam Artis Payne, uh, who helped a running game, but I do not see them putting up a lot of points tomorrow. 
All right, well, let's look at Sunday's action because I, I think you're right. Both teams, both games, part of me, are going to trend under, especially if, if in fact, you know, this defense, somebody's defense gets a turnover or two, and the Guardians-Renegades game with that 37 line is, is just tight. But and say, I'm sorry, Jake. Keep in mind the Guardians have uh, given up the second uh, – all given up uh, eight touchdowns this year, which is good for second in the league. Yeah, that's – you know, as much talk about Matt McGloin and the train wreck that was, and then even somewhat with consistency at that position last week, although to your point they didn't blow any doors off, their defense hasn't been discussed much at all. No, no. It's a very underrated defense, and you look at the Guardians, you see they won last week. No one knew they averaged 2.7 yards per play. <laughs> when I saw that stat, I was appalled. I think that said a lot. I think, I think that said a lot more about uh, the Wildcats in L.A. than it did about the Guardians. Sunday, it's a late slate, and we'll get to that later game because I, I definitely think it plays a huge role, especially just the road trip element of it. But let's start in D.C. on Sunday. St. Louis has been a pleasant surprise in this league, taking in a offense that likes to run even with their quarterback, but they can strike, and their defense has played well, only laying five and a half. Now, again, I, I would think this would be more of a seven, eight, type line, but St. Louis is only laying five and a half against a D.C. team that has looked really down the last two games. Well, two things. They're putting into consideration the fact that it, the game is on the road and the idea that D.C. only allowed 2.7 yards per play last week. Uh, so that says a lot about their defense. However, if it wasn't for Houston, I think the St. Louis Battle Hawks would be the talk of this league. I think their quarterback, uh, Jordan Tayamu, who uh, won the Player of the Week, the Star of the Week last, last week for the XFL, uh, he leads the league in total yards. That guy's a freak, and I think he'll lead their offense to a lot of points. I think uh, they're underestimating what St. Louis is going to do to D.C. Do you look at them now, and I'm just trying to grab – the outright so st louis has moved up clearly dallas has dropped because of the injury and houston remains at the top and i I just a quick aside before we talk about a little bit more of this game and that final game jake Meltzer on twitter at jake Meltzer is how you follow him second level eight on shander st louis bumped up now to plus 320 dallas no quarterback or quarterback issues dc cardell jones has looked awful you mentioned the Guardians' struggles on offense. We'll get to L.A. in a second, and then it's Tampa and Seattle. Forget them. It, it's almost like, Jake, if you're going to go against the grain and not take Houston to win this thing, the only real option you have is St. Louis. I would agree that, as of now, the only real option you have is St. Louis. I would like to give the Tampa Bay Vipers another chance really? this Sunday. We'll discuss it. We'll discuss that okay. later. Um, but I would like to give the Tampa Bay Vipers a chance uh, with Josh Johnson and the new play caller. Okay, so before we get to that, the D.C. defenders themselves, and and this is a big game, I think, because we've seen Cardell Jones and and this offense really fall off the face of the earth the last two games. What do you make of the first month of this D.C. team? I love this D.C. team after watching Cardell Jones for a week or two uh, when he was throwing for when he threw for five touchdown passes and zero picks in two weeks and was running the ball like he used to at Ohio State. 
Um, however, the last two weeks, uh, he has been probably the worst quarterback uh, on the planet. It has been very hard to watch. He's, it's been, I mean, in the most respectful way possible, it's been very hard for him to get their offense moving down the field when he's throwing, he's thrown, I believe, five interceptions or so in the past two weeks. And, you know, that's not going to win you football games. No, Especially when you're going up against a team like St. Louis who can put up points on every drive. Yeah, this thing could get ugly, especially in front of some home fans there. All right, Tampa Bay, you mentioned them, Jake, and I got in earlier in the week, as soon as this thing came out, I took the Wildcats minus one, and it wasn't because of anything more than the road trip. It seems, and we're only four weeks into this league, week five now, this coming weekend here, but it seems like teams that are hosting, anybody that has to cross multiple time zones has a significant advantage. Yes, any team that has crossed time zones i believe hasn't won a game is that right um, um i i believe i read wow. that stat. i believe i believe i did read the, uh read that stat that the teams that have crossed time zones have not won the game the following week it's amazing um, but back to the vipers this team started off i don't know if you remember but they were one of the t- uh, favorites to win it all uh when the odds first came out for the xfl championship they're currently leading the league in rushing yards. Their defense is not bad at all. They won a game 25 nothing last week against the defenders. And uh, Josh Johnson is looking like he did in college. And they have a new play caller. So I'm going to give the Vipers a chance this week and see if they can come out and have another big win. If the Vipers can win this week, I would put them up there. Uh, with as my third team behind St. Louis for the uh, best chances to win it all. All right, man. I appreciate it, Jake. So just to recap, the play of the weekend for you is Seattle plus 12.5. Is that right? That's... The play of the weekend is Seattle plus 12.5. I'm telling you that from Houston, Texas. <laughs> I love it. And is there anybody else? Uh, so let's let's just do this. Last one for you, Jake. And, again, I appreciate you, man, at Jake Meltzer on Twitter. Thank you. And please read, uh, follow my picks at theoddsfactory.com. Got you. Theoddsfactory.com. Right? Yes, theoddsfactory.com. Yes, sir. All right, so P.J. Walker or the field MVP? P.J. Walker, man. No doubt. No, I, I think unless. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, knock, I'm, not, I'm knocking on wood right now. Unless he gets hurt, he's going to win the MVP. Fair enough, brother. I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks I appreciate again, you. Thank you so much. Have, you a, good, have a great one. You too. Theoddsfactory.com. You can follow along with Jake Meltzer, at Jake Meltzer on Twitter. An update. LeBron James is going to hurt himself tonight. I'll explain as we wrap the show next. It's the second level, Aton Shander. Scratching beneath the surface, it's the second level on SB Nation Radio. And on SBNationRadio.com. Presented by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. From the O'Reilly Auto Parts Studios, here's Aton Shander. All right, last couple of minutes here, just a quick reminder as this Lakers Bucks game continues. Milwaukee is battled back. And Giannis is going to be on the line to cut this thing to possibly four. 
with 5.50 left in the fourth. Now, LeBron's been on the bench for a little bit. Anthony Davis kind of doing his part leading this team for now. But I mentioned LeBron's going to hurt himself before the break because even into the fourth quarter before he was sitting, like he was trying to do everything. Every single possession was him going hard to the rack. Bro, you're not Allen Iverson back in the day, all right? You're not LeBron back in the day. You got to conserve yourself. You got to prepare for the postseason. I get it. Like, you're in a zone. And it got to the point where I think he even put up an air ball. I mean, the step back three from, like, three or four feet behind the line when he was just going through that third quarter into the fourth. But it really was watching LeBron kind of turn the clock back, as we've seen him already with this play, the level of play. And, yes, it's 98-94 right now with 5.50 to go, Lakers lead. But LeBron, was, it was just like every single time going hard to the rack, hitting the deck. And you kind of forget at times. It's easy to because he's playing so well. But you kind of forget that he's in his 17th year and that he's an old guy in NBA standards. He just takes incredibly great care of his body. I don't know if he's on the uh, Guerrero TB12 or whatever. But you got to slow down, man. I get it. This, you, he's playing like this is the finals. And for anybody who's been watching and following along this game with us, you're getting your money's worth. And here he comes at the scorer's table. Back. Great job, Jack, producing the show. We're back on Saturday, 6 to 9.